welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as usual, I am joined by my best friend and co-host, Skinny. Skinny, how are you, my friend? Say hello to the people. I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? It's good to uh, start recording these last couple episodes of Stub Me Down for season three. Yeah, man. What's going on with you? <laughs> I'm good, man. Two episodes left. We got this one is episode nine. Moving right along here, we got one more before the end of our third season, Skinny. Hard to believe we've come this far. This season has been super cool, man. I mean, we've had some awesome guests. We've had the opportunity to do a few episodes, just you and me. And we've got some big plans for our fourth season, too, man. The wheels keep turning, right? Yeah, it's going to come around a little bit quick. I think some of the break has helped us align some things, which is really good as far as this podcast is concerned. I don't know if people out there realize how much it takes to cut and record and produce these episodes, but it takes quite a lot, man. So if you're out there listening, we're really appreciative. I really appreciate people that get feedback to us and say we're doing a good job. And even the people that are like, these guys suck. I would like to hear from you too. They, they still listened even for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and then they turned it off and they're like, I'll never listen to that shit again. Then they turned it so off. It's been a blast and uh, we still got you know, today and the next one. Absolutely. And not only is there stuff happening in the podcast world, but our favorite band is currently on summer tour. We'll get to that in a minute. But Skinny, on the last episode of Stub Me Down, you pulled the stub and we talked about a interesting show. I'll, I'll start off by saying an interesting show from November 2nd, 2013. It was the last of a three-night run that Fish did for their Halloween event, if you will, back in 2013 in Atlantic City at Boardwalk Hall. And the Halloween show was the Wingsuit set, which was met with mixed reviews, to put it judiciously. This show was a lot of fun. I will qualify all of my remarks by saying that it was a very good show. I had a great time, as I always do at a fish show. For me, this show was a little bit more standard as far as the song selection. Nothing went too deep. There was that really good theme from the bottom in the first set. There was a really nice down with disease that opened the second set. I use the word standard, but let's face it, that fish's standard, right, is well above most bands' peak performance. So being the ultra-critical crowd that we tend to be, I am not slighting the band or saying that this was a poor show. Just for me, by my standards, this was a, a standard fish show, which is which still a very good fish show. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to qualify your comments anymore. I like the show. If it was a standard show, I'm not really cognizant of that when I'm there. I picked it because there are some things that I really like, and they might be small, insignificant things, I think, to even new listeners, old listeners, people that kind of are in and out of the scene or what they're listening to, or if they haven't really listened to a lot of it. But it is for me. Now, I didn't catch that whole run, but I was just coming off the weekend before at Hampton. So I was just really ecstatic to see them again so close, especially in the fall and with other responsibilities. So maybe I put it up on a little bit of a pedestal sure but you know we have a soapbox to do that and i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want so yeah i like the show i i mean and i know that you were like already trying to sandbag my ass by saying like oh it's it's not that good 
<laughs> and um, I was not prepared for that, by the way. But, you know, after listening. Well, I got to keep you on your toes a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I and I get it. But there were some things that were standard for me. I'm sorry. The down with disease opener for a second set is I'm constantly getting that. And I know that sounds a little bit snobby to say, like, I constantly get that or whatever. But I do. I see it a lot. I don't know what it is just about the positioning of the shows or when I'm seeing or when tour is either in the middle, the end, whatever it may be. But it's just not my bag, for lack of a better term after a while because even that 30 minute version which they just pulled out speaking of tour where is that 30 minute version from was that from banger yeah or I from think, mansfield okay and i've only listened to the tour up till then and they just played night one up bethel so i haven't even listened to the mans yet however i am not gonna be all over that i see a lot of people out there in twitter space talking about that disease now they've moved on already and i think as fish fans tend to do from show to show we move on. So when we do what we do, which is look back at these things, then you get these really critical ears like, mm, that wouldn't really put that show up there, which is what you did. Well, and that's <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But you know what? That's a valuable point that you make. As I said, I think during that episode, when we go back in our mind's eye and think about being there on the floor of Boardwalk Hall, back in 2013, I know I was grooving my ass off. We were having a great time and everything's right. You know what I mean? Sure. When you look back at it, you have the benefit of the time. You have a little bit less attendance bias because you're not standing right there at the show in the moment. And you, you know, you're kind of listening back with a little bit more of an experienced ear, right? I mean, you go back now and listen to a show from nine years ago. Well, we've seen how many shows since then. So we've added that. We have the experience of not seeing the band and having tour canceled because of COVID. And you and I started a podcast where we started analyzing all this shit. I don't know how good the analyzation is. But <laughs> right. Yes, we did. But we're thinking about the music a little bit differently than maybe we were while we were raging out in Atlantic City. As I said, it's a it's a great show. It's a very good show. I won't say great. It's a very good show by Fish Standards. <laughs> and it was very well played. There were no missed lyrics. It was very tight. The band was on point. I just thought that it was standard in the song selection. You know, no bust outs, no rarities. Aside from the theme, again, and the disease, you know, there wasn't anything that was too extended. Now, one thing that you did mention that I thought definitely fits as a characterization of this show is the micro jams that they played the last one, two minutes of most of these songs, which I thought was a great observation. And they were jamming just for kind of bursts instead of more extended periods. And I am going to, so, I'm sorry, but I am going to go out on a limb and say, Limb by limb. Without a doubt, that, that, yeah, that theme from the bottom is the best theme from the bottom I've ever heard. I know, and I, I'm going to say best. Not one of them has a, a breakdown like that. And if you have not listened to that version from 11 to 13, it is a must. Nothing like that's ever happened with a theme. And they actually kind of did that a little bit in the subsequent, I guess, Miami New Year's run. The first night when they played a theme too, they kind of broke down a little bit like they had in Atlantic City. But 
nothing has been played like that as far as that particular song. If you don't think it's the best, okay, well, theme's pretty much played the same way every time. There's not like a lot of wiggle room for them to extend. And that version and then the one from Miami New Year's from, what was it, 14? Yeah, 2014. Yeah, I mean, that in and of itself. But those two are the exception to that rule for theme. And then they haven't done it since then. So, you know, what's that been now? Six, seven years, whatever. So, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I just picked that one kind of, maybe it was just personal. I listened to it a lot. I think that was more of it too. It wasn't necessarily trying to put it in this box of, when we select shows, we're not selecting shows to be like, well, this one is has this great thing, and this one has this excellent played whatever it is, and that's why we picked it. No, I mean, sometimes we're going to pick shows where you're just like, eh, what are these guys doing? It's a fucking dud. Well, that may be the case. We were probably there. That's why we picked well, it. Well, one of us was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying, you know. And even so, even in when we have a guest on and it's a show that we haven't seen, I'm not going to say, well, we, you guys, man, how could you like that version of that? That would just put us on the map of being totally trite and, you know, just dickheads about everything. Sure. Well, and look, this whole thing is subjective, right? It's what you like. And that goes for any band. It goes for any style of music. It goes for any show, any side project of Fish, you know? I'm not a huge, like, Mike Gordon band fan, well, you know? I'll go see him if he's playing local. But, but my feelings were a little bit hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for that. Well, it was not I, my intention. I accept your apology. <laughs> I just had fun with it because, as our regular listeners know, you sometimes have a contrarian point of view with certain fish songs so i i was uh, channeling you a little bit as i was preparing well word to the wise don't channel me well (laughs) interestingly skinny we were just up at the man seeing fish for two nights great time but i was hanging out with our good friend greg pummel horse who we've talked about previously on stub me down and greg came up with another amazing t-shirt idea it's very simple. And on the front, it says, Skinny Says No. And on the back, it's a list of all of the songs <laughs> that you don't want to hear, including Mound. Make it a triple XL. Maybe we can, put, <laughs> we can put a Down With Disease, but second set opener in parentheses. We can, we can have some fun filling some, some things out. And, and maybe we can even sell it with a Sharpie so that songs can be added. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad the sharpie idea i don't know what the overhead is yeah that might be Greg, a little bit much that's a great idea thank god it's not the songs that i like i mean there are a lot too but it's better that you said skinny says no i have <laughs> the list is long and distinguished yeah speaking of fish tour so as you mentioned fish just played in bethel an old school first set skinny the most recent song that they played in the first set as far as debuts were concerned, was 1998, and that was Meat. The rest of that set, very old, very vintage. They took Sample in a Jar out for a little bit of a spin. So Fishes, they're firing on all cylinders. Again, you get to that subjectivity that not everybody's going to like everything they play. 
People are going to complain about Church of Trey. They're going to complain about a slow llama, whatever they might do, right? You're going to get those complaints, but there are way more people that are out there having a blast, and that was very evident in Philly just based on all the people that we saw. Can I just say one thing about all those complaints, which is this. It's like, I mean, I, I complain after the show maybe, or like, I didn't like that. I love that. So one thing I have noticed, which is this in, indifference to their musicianship, which really gets on my nerves a little bit. Because it's not like I'm outside of the show after it's over saying, I didn't understand that. Like they ripcorded that or that sounded off. Like, yes, it did. And my experience with live music is that happens so much. Why can't you just let that go? So I think fans, even of Fish or any other music fans, like, if you hear something like that, that means you have a really good ear. You know, think positively about it. You, you're seeing a lot of music. You kind of know the way it goes down. You know the changes in the song. You know where the jam's going to flow. That's where they want you to be. You know, read the fucking book. Yeah. But then again, you know as well as I do that some people make their hay in that space of being negative, critical, and that's their shtick. Hey, man, if that's how they want to fish, that's cool. That's not how we do it. No, I don't really think you're catching anything if you're fishing like that. So Maybe just yeah. some bad vibes. Yeah. <laughs> if you are new to Stub Me Down, the premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been to a lot of concerts over the years as friends and even before we became friends. And so what we do is we pull a ticket stub from that collection at random, and we use that show as a jumping off point to talk about the music, talk about our friendship, the things that happen along the way. So today, the stub is mine. I am pulling the stub today. This is a good one. Skinny, I knew as soon as we walked out of this show, we had to do this on Stubby Down. That's awesome, man. Well, there's a lot to talk about today. So, JW, are you ready to stub me down on today's show? Yeah, man, let's get to it. All right, buddy, what do you got? Skinny, we are going to be taking a look at what was billed as the Trey Anastasio Band playing at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. on October 1st, 2021. So not that long ago. This was just a, just... Recent. This is math. <laughs> it was recent, yeah. Nine months ago. And a pregnancy. There you go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Somebody got knocked up at this show <laughs> and they just had the baby. The show, as I said, was billed as Trey Anastasio Band. So you know that's with the horn section, and it's a much different feel than Trey solo acoustic or Fish, right? Well, as this tour went along, it was like people were just getting knocked out with COVID. The horn section gets knocked out, Jen Hartswick gets COVID, boom, no horns. Russ Lawton, who plays drums, he gets COVID, boom, Trey does one show as a solo act. And then they play the last four as a five-piece, bringing in the one, the only, greasy physique, John Fishman, to play drums. This is a good show. Yeah, so Fish played on drums the show before this, which was in Pittsburgh, and then they come to D.C. as a five-piece. It's Trey... It's John Fishman on drums. Ciro Batista managed to avoid 
COVID. He's on percussion. Desron Douglas is playing bass, and he came in to replace the late Tony Marcalis, who passed away last year. And then Ray Pachkowski is on the keys. So you've got half of Fish playing here. So we went into this show after they had announced. I was worried that it was going to get canceled, to be honest with you, because COVID was destroying the band. I thought it was done. Yeah, I wasn't even. Yeah, all we needed was Trey to get it and forget it. That's it. So when this rolled around, Fishman's in. We really had no idea what to expect. I don't even think I listened to the Pittsburgh show before going into this. So we had really no expectations aside from the fact that we were seeing half a fish, which turned out to be, this was almost like a fish cover band with with half the band, right? It's like what Dead and Company is doing now with like Mickey and Billy and Bob Weir, right? Yeah, John Fishman's almost tab, right? I yeah, mean... or, you know, Trey Anastasio's almost fish. I mean, there were so many names flying around about what this band should be called the first page of my set book I wrote down all the all the names but what an unbelievable show they jammed the shit out of almost every song they played it had just such a comfortable laid-back feel that was not quite fish it was definitely not tray band because there were no horns right once we get into the set here there were not a lot of the standard Trey Anastasio band tunes that you would expect, like Night Speaks or Simple Twist Up Dave, you know, those traditional type of Trey tunes that you might see. It was just awesome. And let's not forget where we were kind of in history, even though it was less than a year ago, we were still very much in the pandemic, right? We had to show vaccination cards to get in. We had to be masked up, which we'll get to that in a little bit, the mask situation there. Mm. So just the fact that we could go to the show, we had a big crew, a lot of our DC, Baltimore friends were there. So that was a lot of fun too. It was just a great night overall. And the music was exquisite. And I will say this, Skinny, this might have been, I saw a lot of music in 2021 from drive-ins to fish tour, fish in Vegas. This might have been one of my favorite shows of all of last year. Well, I mean, I can see that. There's a uh, probably several reasons for it. I mean, one thing is this show is widely applauded, man. This is not a show that could have missed it. I, Nobody's hemming and hawing about no, this. No, I, I, I went to Radio City. It was better. I mean... Okay, maybe, but this is widely applauded. Uh, the sound is amazing, too, on the odds that we got. And you can hear it. the crowd is definitely on board with everything that's going on in this show. Two things, I guess I'll say, maybe just one. I, COVID sucks, and I did not see the end of this show. <laughs> and we'll talk about that towards the end of the second set. So it's kind of COVID sucks because of that. And just the way that it was managed, I'm on board with all that. Like vaccination record, you know, I'm double boosted at this point. I don't mind dealing with what you had to deal with to go see a show, but it, it made me miss the end of it. But on a positive note, I will say this. It's widely applauded, too, because let's face it, Trey Anastasio is one of the best guitar players on the planet. And when I was seeing Jerry Garcia... He was one of the best guitar players on the planet. So that's my personal opinion. 
And it reminds me a lot of seeing Jerry on tour with Jerry Garcia band. Obviously, you're not dealing with the th- same effects of a pandemic. I don't know what would happen with Jerry, you know, <laughs> during a time like that. I mean, he probably would have been like, nah, man, probably going to have to stay home for a while, which wouldn't have been good for him. I just think that when we got to the show, there were all these like non-expectations. And I was like, whatever, they're going to play some tunes. It'll be cool. I'm glad to be seeing live music. Follow the rules, go into the show, have a good time. But what happened in turn was a lot different. There were versions of songs that were some of the better, if not the best versions of those songs that I have heard. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. So that's not a ranking. Do you want to get into this set and start talking about this, man? Yeah, yeah. I will also say before you get into the set, Skinny, if you have not seen a show at the Anthem in D.C., it is a cool room. It's right on the waterfront there. Um, What is that? Is that the Anacostia River? I think it's the Anacostia. I'm pretty sure because it comes down through there. Yeah, so there's all these restaurants and bars, and it's very scenic, and it was October, so the weather was real nice. The room itself is huge great sound we have a usual spot that we can post up there on the second floor the floor is wide open it's definitely a fun room to see anybody but to see trey there was was very cool yeah i'm I'm really excited we actually got tickets to go see j-rad uh this november so yeah barring any i think we're going to that too oh you're going to that too oh that's right yeah i think so that's awesome well great we'll see you there (laughs) barring any uh misadventures or misfortunes will uh we'll, right. we'll meet you down there hopefully you're not blacklisted there <laughs> they don't know who i am man hop sings you got me blacklisted from hop sings <laughs> i name names all right the anthem from friday october 1st 2021 washington dc what do i say here john fishman's almost tab i guess yeah. <laughs> the trey band trey anastasia band is how it's listed Set one starts with a sand, the MoMA dance, set your soul free, quantity, about to run, and the set ends with Karini. All right, man. Six song first set. Like that's right there. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Six song first set. Tells you a lot about what this show was. And dude, when they come out and the first notes they drop are sand, I mean, I lost my mind. And instantly, the funny thing too is I was very curious to hear Desron Douglas. And we talked, the last time we did a Trey show, we talked about Tony Markalis. And Tony Markalis had just passed. And one of the conversations that we had had was who was going to replace him? And how would that person play the bass for Trey, right? Desron Douglas, and you're probably going to hear this throughout this conversation, Desron Douglas is unbelievable, dude. The groove that he laid down from the second they started playing Sand was epic. And he was locked in. And honestly, I don't know how somebody comes in. I'm not a musician. I don't know how somebody comes in and plays not only like Trey's horns tunes, right? But if you look at that set, the only song on there that's really, truly a Trey band tune is quantity right right everything else there is pretty solid i mean sand was started with trey band but it is a very solidly fish tune so des was not only learning the trey catalog he was learning the fish catalog 
And then to come out and play this type of show, my mind was blown. It's a to he has a totally different pocket than Tony. Tony was amazing, right? Dez is also amazing. Well, I mean, he has chops, dude. I mean, to pick it up right away, and I know they practice. Practice makes perfect. He has chops, and it comes through right away in the sand. I mean, it's like a huge dark groove. It's very powerful. It goes for a lot longer than some of the versions that we've seen fish do. Obviously, they just did. What was that sand? Was I don't know how long was that? It was like 34 minutes yeah. at uh, Deer Creek. Yeah, Deer Creek. So they did a huge sand there at Deer Creek. But you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's the message for the evening. Expect more of this and expect more fish not Trey. Yeah, it definitely set the tone right off the bat, and Desron's impact was immediate when the band came on stage. I mean, a 14-minute sand to open this show, I was happy as a pig and shit, bro. And then, a MoMA dance? 20 minutes! Never heard a 20-minute MoMA dance, which I had said in earlier episodes of the show was that Mama Dance seems to be this real big hit for them right now. I don't know. Were they putting that thing out on the fucking radio or something, dude? Because <laughs> they are playing the best Mama Dances they've ever played. Uh, I know that, you know, there's a lot of Black Eyed Katie fans out there, but the Mama Dance from this show and some other select shows, especially last summer on Summer Tour, have been absolutely out of this world. Once they get into the breakdown of the verse, Psychedelic Venom. They just take off, and it's really, really good. I really love Moma Dance because, you know, you're expecting to dance around a little bit. It's got that funky groove. But then they just go way, way out there. I mean, it is Blast Off City. So I, I love this Moma Dance. And you could hear it right after the sand. I was like, Moma. And then I knew definitively it's worth seeing fish tonight without Gordo and yeah, I mean, it basically, that's that's what it felt like. The one thing that I thought was interesting with the MoMA dance was you could really hear the interaction of Fishman and Sierra. Yeah. Again, I think that goes to the musicianship of John Fishman. The guy is unbelievable on drums, and Ciro is a phenomenal percussionist to be able to work with John the way he did and you get Ciro starts playing the hands like his hands towards the end of this there's a you know the the jam kind of takes a, a little bit of a dip towards this very delicate softer feel the last five minutes or so there's like bird noises and stuff it just it has that kind of weird elements of Trey Band but it's MoMA dance and 14-minute sand, 20-minute MoMA to start this show. Like, minds were blown. I think, I, like, I was just looking around, and we were all, you know, a lot. Mo everybody was pretty much wearing a mask, but you could tell that people's jaws were, like, literally on the floor from the start of this. Well, we did a lot of looking back and forth at each other. Yeah. Because we had uh, some mutual friends also, uh, Steve and Annie. Shout out to you guys. But they were there, too, and I did. I turned to you, and I know I turned to Steve and was like, dude, what is this? Like then it was like all the sustain, you know, I mean that moment was probably the song of the night for me just because of the jam itself and Desron's in full swing. 
I'll have to tell you too, the hand clapping thing makes me laugh. It reminds me of a story when I was a kid. I had this stupid like <laughs> Spider-Man album and friends. And I, I don't know how, I just thought of this. So <laughs> Spider-Man and they friends. Yeah, Spider-Man and Friends, but it was an album, and like the Hulk was on it and shit, and like Spider-Man, and I don't know, Flame on the Torch, who knows who, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they were playing an abandoned shit, and I cracked up, because one of the uh, superheroes, like his music, like he didn't play guitar and shit, like Spidey played guitar, or somebody, you know, sang or whatever, he was the hand clapper, and I couldn't <laughs> It said, like, I don't know who it was, was like, you know, uh, she-cat, hand claps. <laughs> Guess it's a, it's a legit Dude, instrument. A, yes, hand clapping is a legit instrument, especially based on Spider-Man and Friends album or whatever that album was, man. Shit was hilarious, but... Oh, man. I always, say, I, I always get a laugh about Ciro because during the Beacon Jams, when you could kind of get a good look at his setup from up close, I mean... He had like, it looked like like a string of walnuts. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, dude, that cracks me up. I'm like, you know, it's like fifth grade, like make your own instrument at home. <laughs> you had like a laundry detergent bottle with like a bunch of nickels in it and shit like that. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna make a triangle out of a circle. Yeah, and <laughs> so hearing some of those elements mixed in with what Fishman was doing, I thought was really cool and added an extra element that was above and beyond the fish sound. But this, you know, that's the thing. This wasn't quite the fish sound. It wasn't, obviously, the Trey Anastasio band sound. So it really kind of existed in this third plane of this music, which added, I think, just an element of excitement and mystery. Like, how are they going to do these songs? You know, Set Your Soul Free, they come in, and we've seen some monster Set Your Soul Freeze since Fish debuted this. But with Trey and this particular band, Dez plays it much differently than Gordon does. And, I, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a musician. I, you know, I know a bass has four or five strings, and that's about it. <laughs> I'm not going to get pigeonholed into trying to answer that. Right. <laughs> So, but you can definitely hear the difference between the two if you listen to like a fish set your soul free and then this version. There's a difference there. Again, you're talking about another monster jam. This is over 18 minutes on this version. So, you've got three songs. We're an hour in basically to the show. And. Trey gets into that bullfrog tone here and the set your soul free a little bit that as my favorite effect that the 4.0 era has brought forth is that bullfrog tone that he likes to pull in. And it, why is that? Because you keep mentioning that on other episodes and I'm, I just want to know, like, what do you like bullfrogs? Like, I'm actually, one of my favorite animals is a bullfrog or like a frog, any type of frog. I used to collect them and catch them as a kid. But you always say that. Well, why a, do you like you it? You have a frog tattoo. Yeah, I know. But why do you why do you like them? I, I think it makes it feel a little bit dark, a little bit evil. It's a, a tone that hits my ear in such a way that... <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like you one of those like things. It. Like, it's good. Why do I like it? Like, I, I like the effect and how the notes sound through that distortion. 
right. I think that's a fair answer. You don't have to like go any further. And I think back to when we talked about the sand from 628-2000 at PNC, mm-hmm. and you described it as, you know, kind of like a little bit like back alley, dark alley, creeping. And I feel like this kind of exemplifies that type of feeling. Sure. It's, you know, it's a little bit gritty. Trey doesn't hit it often. He's only there for a few seconds, usually less than a minute, and then he switches out of it. The other thing is, it's new. You know, it's a new tone that he He's been incorporating more frequently, and that freshness that he's bringing in, that's something that I always have loved about fish, is they're always looking to change or add or modify their sound. And so I think that that's a very long-winded answer on why that bullfrog tone really kind of hits me right where I jam. I think it sounds more like outer space. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Because they they go into that, and I feel like they are going into outer space, and they still have Zero and Fish playing this backbeat that still remains from the Set Your Soul Free, which is a really, really good part of that. It's probably about halfway through that jam where they both start doing that, but... Yeah, I just wanted to know, because you you keep saying it. Telephone tones, we'll have to cover another time. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely one of those, you know, it's like Fishman Sample Pad. Those are like the, you know, the the 4.0. Listen to me, I sound like like a podcaster. Um, But it it is. Those are some of the elements that I feel they brought in when they started the summer tour last year in 2021. And as it turned out, a lot of that was part of the Sci-Fi Soldier Halloween show. But they're, they're just super fun elements that, to me, send a message that the band is still very much engaged with what they're doing, trying to create new sounds, new tones, and change these tunes, not change them, that's not the right word, to interpret these tunes in different ways with different sounds at different points. And that's just one of the one of the elements I like. I also like Fishman's sample pad, you know, and he does the, he added like a mooing cow for for this summer tour, you know, like. Yeah, no, you're being too rough on the beaver. Whatever that means, Fish. Uh, (laughs) They move next into Quantigy after a really nice Set Your Soul Free. This is a tune that I think I went to get beers during. Now, I know it's off Trey's first album. Uh, What is that? One Man's Trash? Is that what that's called? Yeah, One Man's Trash was released in 1998. And Skinny, probably the only other songs on that that you or I recognize are Mr. Completely and Way I Feel. And Quantigy was... Mr. Completely, I love Yeah. I love Mr. Completely. You know, Fish played that to open the second set last night, and I haven't heard it, and I've seen some good versions. There's a great version from, what, 03, I think, Camden. We were there. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, man, here we go. Maybe we should add that to your fucking shirt. (laughs) Um, I will say, my feeling is, Trey played this just as kind of a nod to the horns that weren't there and played through this song. For me, that's a complete rarity. I mean, I don't, I don't know Quantigy. Uh, when they played it, I, I don't think I remembered. Like the next day, I had to look it up. Like, oh, was that after Set Your Soul? I'm, I'm positive I did that. So it's like you, I'm playing it anyway. Yeah. So this is Trey Anastasia Band, so I'm going to do what I want. It's fun. And you know what? It's one of those, for the stats nerds out there, this is a fun one to have. This was shelved. Trey played it moderately to sparingly. It got shelved in 2005. Huh. 
And then the next time that it was played was during the Beacon Jams on October 30th, 2020. So Shit, I thought I remembered everything from the Beacon Jams. I guess I remember this. Maybe That was the night we had the Halloween party. Oh, so. uh, well then, I was like inside <laughs> or I came back. I was yeah, like, you, we, I mean, we had it projected tune. outside. It was on It was on all I, over the house, but yeah, I was talking was, to somebody. there was a lot of other things happening. But um, it was funny. You know, it was a cool down after boom, boom, boom to start the show so i think that breather was good and it does have that nice dialed back bass line and it's very slinky it's very kind of like jazz club ish it was a good breather then they play about to run which is goes to the forest i mean it's good this is a good version uh but it's gotten a little bit stale for me oh my god we agree i am not a huge fan of this tune i like his guitar work always but at the same time i don't know there's something man we're, here we go here goes some, another one no 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 there's another some, one in this church there's just <laughs> something about this that not now if i see it in a show whatever that's fine it's cool i might go grab a beer I might be about to run to get a beer. <laughs> nah, I'm about to run to do a bunch of different things. <laughs> but again, I'm not complaining because it was the fifth song of a six-song set. And then they come out with a Carini afterwards. And again, you talk about expectations. I was not expecting to come in and see a 10-minute Carini, to see an 18, 20-minute Set Your Soul Free. I wasn't – my expectations – I mean, I really guess I didn't have any because we didn't know what to expect with the way the lineup was. But this was just a super heavy, dark, thundering jam in this Carini here. And again, Desron Douglas, uh, he's my MVP for this whole show. Well, to quote Seinfeld movies, death blows. <laughs> this was a death blow. I mean, it was the yeah. knockout blow of the set. Like, there's no way they're doing anything after that. It would, I mean, this is what you want. First set close. I always like the first set close, and I always critique it, I guess, because I want them to knock you out. I want them to, like, punch you in the eye. Greatest story ever told. Music never stopped. Anything to end the first that's just going to be a power punch. A Superman punch to the face and then you're like man I can't wait for more uh, you know that doesn't happen a lot it happens here and it's a very excellently played Carini uh, like I said it's the knockout blow I don't really have much other than that <laughs> yeah I mean Trey actually it sounds like Trey was doing like a little bit of a call and response with himself like he played something then ran a loop and then was playing off of that and which he can do with that rig I mean it's very easy for him to do that I mean he yeah. we just rewatched between me and my mind and when he's showing one of his daughters how he can loop like one note and then he plays behind that one note on the loop I mean I love that rig and I love how even just very briefly explains what he can do with it and then he's also like well I know you're bored but that's my job I know and you know what and he's such a nerd about it and he loves talking about it and right. for me after that Carini I was just like you know you're right it's like what the fuck are they gonna do next and can they get to it because I cannot wait I mean unbelievable first set yeah unbelievable first set well let me read back the first set from the anthem in Washington DC on 10-1 2021 Trey starts the set off with sand the mama dance set your soul free quantity about to run and ends and smashes everybody with a Carini that leads us to the second set 
Second set begins with everything's right, death don't hurt very long, into farmhouse, no man in no man's land, and blaze on to end the set. And then the encore, a double encore, which I was not in attendance for. <laughs> Wolfman's brother, a life beyond the dream. So, I mean, we should just start with a ridiculously Ridiculous. insane, yeah. everything's right. I know that they've been playing that a lot for a long time, for a couple of years, ever since they broke that tune out. So it is pretty standard at this point to see and everything's right, especially if you're going to swing on a three or four show tour, even if it's tab or if it's fish, you're definitely going to catch it. The difference here is they kind of knock this one out of the box and by seven minutes, it's a destroyer. And I also have this as one of the best versions of this particular song that I've ever heard, no matter what formation is playing it. Yeah. I really want to hear your thoughts on this Everything's Right, because I feel like it is the best Everything's Right I've heard. And I've heard a lot. I've heard some really good versions. I don't know when they debuted this. Do you know when they debuted Everything's Right? Yeah. Of course, of course you do. Yeah. Nerd. So Everything's Right was a 2017 debut. It actually debuted with Trey Band before it debuted with Fish. So Trey introduced it on April 14th of 2017. Fish debuted it just a week before the Baker's Dozen started on July 14th, 2017. This also came out on Sigma Oasis. And the right. studio version of this is 12 minutes and is amazing. It's the studio version of this is, is awesome. And I read that Paige took it home and, and did some layering and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why that Everything's Right was so good on Sigma Oasis. But, dude, they come out and play a 30-minute version of this. I do have a rare complaint about Everything's Right. When they started playing this song, Trey was not doing the na-na-nas. And oh yeah, that's right. I forgot you don't like this. They do the na na na's now, and I am not a big fan of the na na na's. So that's my only complaint here. Now, there used to be a band called Sha Na Na. You know, they played at Woodstock, and they had a show. You know, with Bowser. Do you remember that show? Bowser. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I've ever seen. All right. Well, Sha Na Na did play at Woodstock. You got to look that. This I up know. Yeah, that I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had a, a variety show where they sang a lot. And they they sha na na they did a lot of na 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 ba 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 whatever na 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 see I'm not basically you would have hated it yeah (laughs) (laughs) but this groove is just relentless I mean Trey and again Desron Douglas lock in and by the time they get to around the 20 minute mark of this thing Trey starts playing this little hook that Des locks into, and it's a theme that they play basically for the remainder of the show. And that riff, dude, I swear to God, it fills my dreams. I hear it now. I'm not, I am not joking in the slightest. I hear it now. your dreams? This is wild shit, everybody. Oh my God. All right. That segment, and, you know, Trey just plays this. You know, it's just a couple of note progression. Mm-hmm. And you hear it a little bit later on in this set when they get into the blazon. And then I've heard it now at various points during fish shows when he plays this 
chord progression and or note progression I guess instantly my radar goes up and I think of this everything's right so it's not just this version of it here it's I caught something in this version that I now hear all the time that's interesting I mean I'll have to I mean I'll be standing next to you for about five shows in a week and like if you hear it let me know and I will point it out and I do that to Megan now and now Megan knows exactly what it is and so she'll actually tap me and be like oh Trey's doing that thing again like the everything's right it never quite hits type 2 jamming I don't think this version because Des stays with that everything's right baseline that they start the formal structure of the song with. But it's still probably my favorite version of this tune in any format. Dude, I swear to God, I've probably listened to this a hundred times. Wow. No lie. Like, this was one of the go-tos after this show. This was one of my go-tos. This was the first thing that I was putting on in the car or at home. Well, then I'll have to, I'll probably have to listen to that. I just have, like, at about eight minutes, I just, <laughs> this is so stupid, but I wrote, like, Super Bye, which is, like, they're on stage, and I don't give a fuck what we're doing, and they are all by themselves going where they're going, and we don't really have any idea about it, which kind of, I guess, runs back to what you're saying, which is, like, they're hooked into something, and if you recognize it, great for you that's amazing and it's interesting when people pick up on that i mean we've talked about this for a long time for years now like i hear i know you writer or you used to hear like cumberland and stuff or whatever right you know those licks aren't like they're coming out of the air without any type of thought about them i mean they're, they gotta come from some place sure right. um and and their place is a lot more subconscious i think than, than ours we have to work a little bit harder to find out where that is Whereas they don't have to work that hard, it just comes so naturally. Which can be, it can be fun, but it can also be frustrating, I would imagine. And think about how many notes somebody like Trey has in his head, you know? Um, no thanks. And how, right, and, <laughs> and how they come out. I'm busy enough. Imagine if you put it all on paper, it would fill volumes, you know what I mean? Well, I think it's just like coming out of his ears, man. I mean, you know, that's like a love of it, loving to practice, loving to being a part of it, loving to giving it to everybody else and also receiving that love back. So uh, next they go into this death don't hurt very long, which I, I'm, um, I've seen this a couple times. I've seen Fish do it. Obviously, I wasn't there for the October version of it when they played it on Halloween. It's interesting. I, I kind of like it. But then I also at times think it's a little too extended that and they slow it down kind of death don't hurt very long it can kind of get a little repetitive and i don't know bottoms out for me i guess as a listener but it's not like i'm like oh, i hate this shit but i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i absolutely love it i think if they put it in for a little bit and didn't extend it out it would be better for me but uh, you know that's not what they're doing so they kind of they have fun with it they're playing with it I don't necessarily I'm not swayed one way or the other I'm definitely not swayed like this is awesome and I'm definitely not swayed like I hate that so I'm kind of in the middle about it I like it this is one of my preferred tunes from the Casbot Vox set that Fish did I like this version because Trey he starts it and then he goes hey what do you say Fish and Fish starts to sing and then forgets the words and he's like uh oh uh oh oh yeah yeah right and it's just 
so funny and it was a nice cool down. This is not something that Trey has played a lot. He Again, he played this at the Beacon Jams. Um, he did a solo acoustic and, and played this in 2019. And this was a good cool down after that monster, Everything's Right. You know, I like that kind of slinky groove that they have. It is a little bit more laid back. I think it kind of mirrors a little bit of what the Quantigy did in the first set. It fit nicely there. But then this farmhouse, dude that comes in the third spot of the set. Yeah, that's when you knew, like, okay, well, who knows what fish song they're gonna play next. I, I really did think that too. Again, like, here's the farmhouse. Oh, man, I'm, what am I listening to? You know, what band is this? Because this isn't what we paid for. Not that I'm unhappy. I'm just saying I paid to see Tab because Fish isn't touring. Now I'm seeing a, basically a fish show, you know? Yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, shit, we're basically seeing a fish cover band here and that's weird it's very rare it was totally rare and again i think it was that unexpected feeling of you don't know what they're gonna play you don't know where you know where they are mindset wise i mean i think i had looked at the night before but we didn't know how to anticipate and this farmhouse right here dude this is the best farmhouse that i have ever seen it's the best i've ever seen too but i've seen a couple other good ones recently the way it was so stretched out, and the one part that gets me is when Trey says, never ever seen a star so bright, and the way he said it, and it's a little elongated, and it just felt so relaxed and had a different feel than the way they play it with fish. At a fish show, if they play a farmhouse, what do you need from concessions? A collective sigh? Yeah. <laughs> this, I did not feel like that whatsoever no and it was only a seven minute version here i mean farmhouse is usually what four or five minutes so they took it a little bit out but it was just a, a beautiful version and really feels kind of more how i feel like farmhouse should be well and farmhouse should be farmhouse into no woman no cry because the year they did soul planet sailing ship whatever the pirate ship one of the things that i've noticed then and Amy, my wife, picked up on it, too, is this No Woman, No Cry jam that's in there. And it's almost like when I heard it the first time when they did a farmhouse, why doesn't he just play it? Just play it. I mean, he's fucking he's playing right there. it. He's right there. It's right there. It's like I can annoy everybody around me and just sing the chorus to that while he's playing try it at home like literally sing the chorus while he's playing this farmhouse and you'll sing it and i've always wondered why don't they just jump into a no woman no cry that would be really really awesome it would be something that nobody had heard or that i knew they were teasing that for a while it would just be you know really exciting and kind of a celebration and of surprises which i would love to see you know when you've seen the grateful dead do like a stir it up jam and you're like oh god just sing it and they everybody in the crowd singing it anyway that's kind of what this does for me it's there and it, if you if you hear it i hope that you you can connect to it too but if you don't i get it too you're like man i fucking know what that guy's <laughs> talking about <laughs> he said he hears rider in it too i don't i'm just i hear no woman, no cry. And if you don't hear it, well, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. 
Well, no woman, no cry, maybe not, but no men in no man's land. Right. Here's almost an 18-minute version that they follow up Farmhouse with. And again, Skinny, you know, I just can't get over the fact that these versions, like everything was stretched out. Every song was given room to breathe. Obviously, that was probably by design, right? He did not pack these set lists. He kept it pretty stripped down. The jam, you know, we're only talking about 13 songs played in this whole show. And if you go and look at a Trey Band show, you know, there's going to be 25 songs played, right? So you have a, a completely different set list structure, which, again, maybe because the makeup of the band, he altered that. But this No Men's comes in Trey had debuted this in April of 2018. Again, about seven minutes in, they are in a super groove. It's unbelievable. Dez has this thing on lock, and there's like these descending scales, and then they bring it back up. Then at like 10 minutes, there's this slow percussive jam where Dez Fishman and Ciro were all doing a little bit of like a, a locked in percussion with Trey kind of jumping in and out and Ray kind of jumping in and out. It was just another one of those things like, holy shit, Des Ron Douglas is an amazing addition. And him playing with Trey, how do you jump into something like this with somebody like Trey? You know, like that's got to be a little bit of an intimidation factor too, right? Like you're sharing the stage with this guy. But I've also heard the opposite too, is that like he just knows. He's like, ah, he's good, and that's the end of it. I think uh, Jennifer Hartswick's first interaction with him when he sent her all, I don't know what, what they would call it, but let's just say the notes to whatever the songs were, and she came in to perform them, and he was like, all right, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think it's like, I think he just has, besides being creative on stage and being creative with the music and stuff that he provides uh, to the fan base, I think he also, with other musicians, is like, he just knows. He's just like, all right, you're good. Let's go. I got you. I think also musicians, it's a language, and they know how to talk to each other in that language. It's like being able to speak Spanish or Swahili, right? You know, and music is just another, another form yeah, of sure. that. Unfortunately, though, Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they end the set with a blaze on and then they encore with Wolfman's, which I heard was amazing. And Life Beyond the Dream, which I really like as a slowdown song. I kind of wish they would have done that in the second set instead of the uh, death. Don't hurt very long, but then they would have done the farmhouse, whatever. I'm not here to hem and haul over what they chose to play that night however well you weren't there to hem and haul what they <laughs> chose to play at the end of that how about we just do this how about you comment on the blaze on wolfman's and, and life beyond a dream and then i will tell you why i was not in attendance for the last three songs the blaze on i thought was fire and it to me linked back to what they did with the Everything's Right and that bass line that Dez was playing I don't think it was identical but it had some echoes of what they were doing in the Everything's Right so there was a little bit of a bridge there between the first song that they played in the set and this blaze on which 15 almost 16 minute blaze on here when you think about it in terms of Fish versus Trey Band you've got all of these newer tunes aside from farmhouse in the second set you've got 
everything's right, death don't hurt very long, you've got No Man in No Man's Land and Blaze On, and then obviously Wolfman's is older, but Life Beyond a Dream is newer. So it did have a newer fish type of feel, which I think also lended itself to how good this show was, because I'm sure that a lot of people that were there that maybe have not seen Trey Band were not expecting to hear these tunes, although they have been played with Trey. When Trey does Trey acoustic, he's played them with the full Trey Band as well. So the Blazon, I thought, was just superb and an unbelievable way to put a bow on a a ridiculous five-song second set. The Wolfman's Brother, nobody was expecting a Wolfman's Brother encore here. I was standing there, I was like, they're going to come out, they're going to do something quick, they're going to do an eight-minute version of something and send us off happy. 14, almost 15-minute version of Wolfman's. The bright line bass that Dez was playing here, there was one part where, you know, it's like... Nah, 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 with the, the Wolfman's part, and one of those notes he like went high and then right. went back into it. And just that one note change on the bass made this version like an uplifting, positive feeling, almost reggae ish vibe to the Wolfman's, which was just so cool and so different from what you're used to hearing with Wolfman's. I'm sorry I missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I heard it was really good. I listened to it today, actually. It was like one of the last songs I listened to. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> After that, Trey comes out. He, he thanks everybody for being there. James Casey had been diagnosed with cancer, so like the band had taken so many hits, and Trey, the consummate entertainer, wanted to make sure that he could still play these. And, and you know, and he says, merrily we roll along. Then they play Life Beyond a Dream, nice little Church of Trey tune here to end the show. Skinny, this was hands down one of the best shows I saw in all of 2021. They played 13 songs, nine of them were over 10 minutes, seven of them were over 14 minutes, epic versions, favorite versions for me of fish songs that this was like, I said, this was like the third plane of existence for some of these tunes, and man, I I fit right into that third plane with this show. (laughs) That's uh, really well said. I don't know what the third plane of existence is, but if you're there and enjoying yourself, well can't be all bad it cannot be all bad that's amazing um skinny why were you not there for the last few songs of this set can i run let me run down the set i gotta get ready <laughs> can i run down the yeah run down set? the or, set or, or then, if you have anything else that you want to say like no that covers the music let's let's get into this uh other story Okay, well, let me run down the second set from the anthem in Washington, D.C. on Friday, 10-1-2021. Started out the second set with an Everything's Right, Death Don't Hurt Very Long, Into Farmhouse, No Men in No Man's Land, and ends the set with a blaze on. And then the encore, Wolfman's Brother, and A Life Beyond the Dream. So we kind of figured out that I did not make... It was during No Men's, right? The blaze on... Well, I think it was in the middle of No Man's, Blaze On I missed, and missed the encore. I was headed to my car. The reason for that was these COVID restrictions. So I was maxed up. You know, I'm a school teacher, and 
as you know, like we were wearing masks all the time, no matter where we were. At one point in the beginning of it or the height of it, I was wearing masks outside on campus. So I was just rolling with whatever. I'm, I'm not much of a one side or the other, especially when it comes to politicizing any issues. I'm a rule follower. I mean, it's for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> Let me clarify saying, for the most part, I'm a, I'm a rule follower, especially after this many years on the planet. But I will say, I had my mask down once or twice without paying attention or... Maybe I was just like having a time when I wanted it off. You know, I'm the one that's taking the risk. But with COVID, obviously, you know, everybody else is taking the risk too. If you're asymptomatic, yada, yada, yada. So there was a security guard there that was really way into his job. And they were shining flashlights on everybody. However, in the crowd, I'm watching this whole show. People are blowing vapes like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And this guy shines a light on me and says, put your mask up, and he yells. And, you know, not a very big kid. He was probably in his 20s, really taking his job very, very seriously. Right around the no man's, I must have, like, pulled it down and was talking. I guess to my wife or whatever and he just shined the light on me and came up he's like you're out of here man i fucking warned you i told you you're out of here and i'm just like dude wait a minute all right sorry about that and he's like nope nope i already warned you so the next thing you know we're leaving in the elevator surrounded <laughs> by three other guys like I am not doing anything except laughing. Like, this is just, okay, I, whatever. I wasn't following the rules, so now I got to pay the price. Okay, I'm not arguing. I, I think I pleaded my case and realized, no, nope, they don't want to hear it. They're just going to be dicks. So we went into the elevator, and I was like, not saying anything. I just kind of laughed, and then when we got out, I just was like, I'm going to tell you what, man. You care about this job so much, like... Why didn't you get all these other people? You didn't listen, man, and all that shit. So I felt like they were being very aggressive up top about the masks when you could see, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I saw, but you know exactly, like, what I saw inside that concert venue. I mean, I'll say it. There were a lot of people that weren't even wearing them as chin diapers, you know? Like, they didn't have them on. Didn't have them on, Where we were on that you know second right. floor kind of underneath the third floor you could see down on the floor you could see as you said you could see the clouds of smoke you could see the people that were maskless but we were a lot easier to get to yeah probably we were in a spot that wasn't that crowded the only people that were in our section was our crew of friends it was julia it was vic it was right steve and annie and, every, and amy all megan all the people that were with us yeah i mean the guy came over i you know, and I had my mask on down, was, you know, drinking a beer and would put it back up or whatever. But there were times where, like, yeah, I didn't think about it. I was just standing there dancing. And right. The, the right. policing of it was definitely uneven. And then... The policing of it was, like, really much. I mean, for them to toss you out, I thought was... Like, like I turned around and I was... And you were gone. And I was like, what just happened? And Megan's like, I think that they got kicked out. And I was like, for what? And <laughs> for being skinny. You know, we weren't being belligerent. No. Yeah, we like I wasn't. nobody was doing anything wrong. We were having a great time. We were dancing. We were minding our own business at a show. It did seem a little bit targeted. You know, maybe the guy was trying to flex a little bit. Or, you know, maybe somebody came down and said, We gotta start kicking people out because they're not following the mask guidelines. And I talked to some people, I think, afterwards who 
saw maybe one or two people get tossed for not wearing masks, but I was one of them. <laughs> also acknowledged that there was a lot of people that were not strictly adhering to the mask guideline. And on the one hand, we were just happy at the time to be able to go to a show indoors, right? Things have been getting canceled left and right. I mean, shit, they canceled the MSG run two months later, right? Yeah. Because yeah. of COVID. So the enforcement was definitely uneven. We were happy to be there because of what we had been dealing with the last two years, especially music-wise and indoor shows. But there was no fucking way you should have been kicked out of that show. Yeah, well, the one thing that I, I said to the guy, I was like, so what? Like, I mean, I guess I don't get another reminder. You know, and I, I wasn't like saying, well, look at what they're doing or whatever. I, I certainly wasn't doing that. I wrote an email to the Anthem the next day, which said I felt like your, some of your security was a little bit over exuberant doing their jobs. If he would have given me another reminder, no problem. The next time I could have seen like, at least give me the three strikes you're out. I don't even remember when he said he shined a light at me. He's shining lights all over the place. And now I'm supposed to remember that it was specifically for me. Right. So <laughs> don't shine that thing in my face, man. Yeah, man. So I, I mean, maybe he didn't like the way that I danced. I mean, I'm kind of a tall, like gangly dude. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to invade anybody's space maybe he was just like that guy's a shitty dancer or something i don't know man or <laughs> i don't know i had a, my wife next to me or you know she's good looking i don't know you know sometimes i just think who knows right did they respond to your email yeah they were like well you know tell us where you were sitting and like we'll run the tape back and i'm like run the tape back what am i barry sanders what are you running <laughs> what are you running tape back on me man i, I don't get that so I just was like, you know what? This is a waste of my time. I'm not going to waste any more time. I had to leave the show, but I was there. It was fun. We got home safe. So that that's my story. I don't know what anybody would want to think of it other than I'm, I don't feel like I was wrongly accused. I just think that it was the height of this pandemic. And if you were going to go out and you're going to a show, then you're taking the risk too. I'm taking that risk every day. I know what the risk is. I don't need a 24-year-old kid working security at a concert to tell me what the risk is when he's not really looking around. And like I said, if he would have taken a look around, there were some people in there that were doing a lot worse than I was. That's for sure. You know, heads up on the security at the Anthem. Great venue. But like if we're back to another variant or whatever happens and, and that goes, just remember, keep your mask up at all times. There's You can't really play around with that depending it also i'll say this in defense of that guy he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing either and i have actually a soft spot in my heart for okay he's gonna have to answer to somebody too and so if he's not doing what he's supposed to do and they run back tape on him then he can lose his job or he can't work shifts or whatever so i'm very cognizant of that i just think the whole fucking thing for a couple years it's just it's out of control but like you know what am i gonna do man i'm just one guy i'm doing my best you know that's my story it kind of sucked to miss the last three but like i said shit happens it just so happened that it was during like one of the greatest shows ever <laughs>
<laughs> of not a fish or tab band. It was totally like this weird thing that happened. And then it's I, the third plane, bro. Yeah, the third plane. I missed. I was like at two and a half plane, and uh, I got kicked out of the third plane. So, but yeah, all in all, man, a great show, and it, I'm really happy to talk to you about it, man. It, it, it's been a blast as usual. Yeah, this was definitely one where I think it was after the Everything's Right. I think I looked at you and I was like, we got to do this on our next season of Stub Me Down. So. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so this has been in the works for nine months. It's kind of like a pregnancy. <laughs> like a pregnancy. <laughs> now I just have to figure out what to name it. Nine, nine months, months later. later. <laughs> Shit. All right, Skinny. Well, hey, man, if you're going to be on tour, which we, I was at least a couple days ago and will be again, Man, Shakedown is popping off. The Shakedown at the Man was real grimy, though. It was so dusty, and it was hot. Everybody was sweaty and packed in. No thanks. If you like to shop without the griminess, you got to check out the Lot by Primal Soup. They have a number of great shops. One of them is Brianna with Woodstone Earrings. Brianna's got some really cool stuff. She started seeing fish in 2010 at Hershey, which was a great show. She has used the music influences in her life to make basically wood-carved earrings. She's got classic Fishman Donut. She's got earrings that are based on songs like Three Little Birds and Red Daisy, Divided Sky. She likes to listen to music while she makes these things. Billy Strings Fish. Awesome products. She's on tour now, but you can go and check out her products once tour is over in August. Brianna's Woodstone Earrings on the Lot by Primal Soup. Awesome stuff, man. I might have to uh, pull some of this for Megan's birthday's coming up. So I might have. My birthday's coming up too. I know, but you don't have your ears pierced, bro. Uh, But. (laughs) I do have one pierced, but it's closed up. Do you wear like a little diamond stud in there, buddy? I did. It got taken away at school, you know. I mean, back in the day. Yeah. See, I'm a rule follower. Catholic boys' school. Yeah. But yeah. I'm kind of not. <laughs> Speaking about the lot by Primal Soup, there's also another shop we want to highlight, especially talking about that Everything's Right, is Cumberland Groove. So John and Sherry that own this shop started following the dead and fish in the early 90s while in college. Traveling a lot with good friends, camping, and enjoying live music, which many of you do. That's their passion. Fast forward to 2013, and they started selling hand-dyed ties and jam band-related merch. Cumberland Groove was born. So they're a small family-owned home-based business in Huntsville, Alabama, and they offer jam band-inspired art designs for some of your favorite bands, including Fish, Widespread Panic, Billy Strings, who I just saw, and Dave Matthews Band. So a portion of every sale is going to be donated to charity. The charities that they support are the Greater Huntsville Humane Society, a new leash on life, the Waterwheel Foundation, and North Alabama Homeless Coalition, which is right up our alley. That's really cool that they do that stuff. I always have really a special place in my heart for those that not only donate but give to others. So please keep that in mind, folks, when you're not on tour and enjoying yourself is give back to others. It's really going to make you feel good, just as good as listening to the music, I can tell you. Last but not least, Fan Designs by our friend Scott Mitchell, who, Josh has made a mock-up of Release the Geese. So <laughs> I saw it. I for like all the it. fans that are tired of listening to this shit, it's really good. It's cool. So we might have something coming out. But that's all I got today, buddy. I'm so glad that we are able to highlight our partners 
and our friends not only in the scene, but also out there on the lot. Yeah, speaking of friends, I also have to give a huge, huge shout out to a fellow JW, actually, Skinny, my buddy Jason, nicknamed Money Shot. He is a great friend of mine. He is also a tech wizard. And I had some issues with getting today's show I did finally find a copy of it, but then I couldn't convert it to a useful audio file. And so Jason was able to do that for me, share that music with us. So, Shot Man, thank you. I appreciate you. Big fan of your work helping us out. And uh, I know that you're a big fan of Stub Me Down. So thanks so much for helping us out, dude. We are so grateful for you. And thank you for listening to Stub Me Down. We would not be here without you. Skinny Man. Awesome time talking about this, as always. We only got one more left on this third season of Stub Me Down. That'll be a lot of fun to wrap up season three. If you want to continue the conversation with us, you can check us out on the socials. We are on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. Thanks again for listening to us here on Stummy Down, and we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Later, everybody, man. Have fun on the rest of the tour.